0: Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Xenia. And we're the co founders of Leone, a virtual skincare consultancy changing the way that you shop for skincare for good.
1: This is our podcast, The Skin Interview, and each week we interview skin experts, brand founders, and the beauty industry's best on the skin subjects that really matter. Do you want to know the products that you really need in your skincare routine? Cut through the noise of the trends to avoid to find the ones that really work? Or do you just
0: wanna know what's happening to your skin so you can achieve your skincare goals?
1: Each week, we're going to answer these questions and more with no bias, buzzwords, or BS. So, hello everyone, and
0: welcome back to the Skin Interview. We are so happy that you are joining us to listen today. I am going to be joined by a special guest and someone that you guys will probably be hearing from a lot more, especially if you're a part of our community. Her name is Alexandra, and she's actually our community manager. So Alexandra, welcome, welcome. I don't know if you want to do a little bit of an intro to your kind of background. Yeah, of
2: course. Well, it's so nice to be here. Um, And absolutely, you'll be hearing a lot more from me, hopefully. Yes, in my background, um, I came across um, Leonie so organically, which is perfect and just the way it needed to be and basically I I kind of previous was uh, in treatment so I've done a lot of treatment based training and and also a lot of experience when it comes to um, advanced facials, chemical peels, uh, microneedling and, and kind of the, the more advanced and aesthetic side of things um, but then I moved into uh, the commercial side of things as well so Moved on to be um, an international sales manager for a cosmeceutical company, go global cosmeceutical company. So worked on, like I say, the, the medical side more, um, but of course come across a lot of the uh, mainstream brands as well. So it's, it's great to have that kind of experience branching over um, the entirety of the industry, really. Um, and then I was a commercial director for a couple of, of brands as I was working independently before I found you guys at Leone. So um, I'm really looking forward to getting everything stuck into it, and um, yeah, and just hoping to to spread the word massively because we've got such a beautiful offering. So
0: just want to do that to uh, as best as possible. Amazing. Yeah, we're so I'm so sorry. There's like huge bang in the background. I don't really know what's going on. But we're so excited to have Alexandra on our team. Obviously, we're really missing Cindy on the podcast. But it's nice to be able to chat with someone because I was getting really stressed about just talking to myself in the camera, which I'm having to do a little bit on Instagram. But on a podcast, it feels much different. So really happy. Thanks for joining me today, even though we talk. Every day anyways. (laughs) So this podcast is with Grown Alchemist. And so Grown Alchemist is an Australian brand, and they are really all about conscious consumption and things like that, sustainability. Xenia actually did this recording before she went away, so you're going to get to hear her voice. But what we're going to do beforehand is delve a little bit deeper into our own personal stories about how our actual health has impacted our skin. And then we're gonna talk about what it actually means to be a conscious consumer. And then we'll let you listen on to Grown Alchemist. So Alexandra, you, I think it'd be really nice for you to start and just tell us a little bit about how kind of your health has impacted your skin and what the connection is there.
2: Yeah, of course. I think it's a difficult one
0: because when you're in the industry specifically,
2: you know what you need to know. You see lots of different clients every day with these, but actually it's unusual to step back and look at it yourself. and and look at your own health and and how this impacts. And for me personally, I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease when I was 14. So, you know, everyone will, will know the gut is such a huge impact when it comes to, well, everything, but skin specifically, you know, hair, nails, anything that, that required that kind of cell renewal and, and the growth, um, I really struggled with over the years. And it was just a small aspect of, of part of that health journey, really. So I suffered with, you know, things like acne, and um, you know, when I was quite young, and then over the years of, of knowing more and more about this, you know, skincare and and being in the, in the facialist industry myself, I was able to, to start to combat that. But I think without that knowledge myself, I would really have struggled to, um, to overcome some of that um and then in January of this year I got uh, diagnosed with a blood clot in my heart so again that it was a it's kind of a, a change everything stress you know I think it's majorly overlooked when it comes to skincare and you know any kind of glow really it just went I wasn't healthy you know I was in hospital for for weeks and weeks on end and actually when I came out this was probably the first time that I'd reassessed my skin um, and reassessed kind of the way that I was looking because I came out of hospital and actually probably had the best skin I'd had in many years. And that was really due to the fact that I had nothing. So hospital with COVID, you know, I had nothing in hospital, I wasn't able to go shopping, you know, it was literally what was in my bag and, and water really. So my skin kind of had a refresh, I was drinking lots of water, I was eating healthy. So I think it kind of had a bit of a reboot. So when I came out, it was like, look at everything, look at life in a different way and stress, like you know, lowering stress levels, but consciously um, really making a conscious effort to, to make a shift in the way I think about things has massively changed that. And one of the things with that has been, you know, has been health and making that decision. You can either, you know, crack on and, and enjoy it, which actually in turn helps make me happy and also my skin's happy, or you can be sad and stressed about it. And that, you know, the second I do that, it shows on my skin. So massive journey when it comes to health and skincare but it definitely goes hand in hand hugely
0: yeah and I would be curious it's such an incredible story and I think the way that you've kind of changed your outlook on life as well just like living every day being so excited and enthusiastic and really happy and in the moment is so great because we know that stress and sleep especially um, have a huge impact on the skin and so do you feel like it's that change in approach to life that's had the huge impact huge yeah definitely I think it's you know, people
2: say about the, you know, the near-death experiences and things, and, and it's overlooked, but actually, when you get to the point where you really have to make a decision of, of either making your life happier or carrying on with the way that you were going that could potentially, you know, really damage you, you take a completely different view on things. And, you know, working with you guys especially, it's just changed it hugely. But yeah, anything, any stress, if, if I have a, you know, if I'm stressed about it, or I've got a hospital appointment and I don't sleep well, the day after, you can tell, you know, under your eye, you feel you feel dehydrated and you know it, it does change it hugely so I think the skin side of it that that what makes me healthy you know I'm not necessarily in for the um you know I, I don't wear a lot of makeup and things um so I'm you know I'm I, that's not something that I do to make myself feel better but having glowing skin is absolutely one thing that you know it makes me feel healthy
0: even if I'm not exactly yeah exactly I think that it's it's really interesting to hear that kind of perspective because I think that some of us will think also like oh if I have a condition or an underlying condition, then my skin will definitely be impacted. And I think that just so much of it is to do with, you know, our stress levels and and our sleep and all of that as well. Yeah. So it's interesting that you mentioned the sleep thing, because I actually have suffered from insomnia and from panic attacks, which are kind of like, it's all interlinked. And so when I'm going through a bout of insomnia, my skin is more dehydrated because I'm losing that. I'm not having that time for my skin to regenerate and then I also have that kind of like trans epidermal water loss through my skin. It's like totally accelerated because I just haven't slept. And I have inflammation in my body because I'm running on adrenaline. So it's really all connected. And I think that it's really interesting to see the kind of psychodermatology element that is really kind of up and coming. And I'm really excited to, to see all the research that's coming out about stress and sleep and the impact on skin, because I think it's something that's overlooked. You know, we want a skincare product to kind of fix things and a skincare product to work a miracle overnight but you have to look at other aspects of your health as well and your health as a whole stress sleep diet in order to work towards those skin goals etc and it's not a case where just like you know oh I'm gonna drink more water I'm gonna eat this or take this supplement it's a really you have to take this kind of holistic well-rounded approach I think when it comes to your when it comes to your skin definitely yeah I think it absolutely it's,
2: it's an it's an all-rounded approach that works just synergistically together and I think if, if you don't do everything you know there's always going to be a shortfall somewhere so but for me that first step was definitely mindset it was definitely a change in mindset of you know looking around and and being like okay this is beautiful this is lovely you know what what around me am i happy with what's nice what you know, what can I do to make things, you know, happier? And a lot of the time, and actually, for me, it was stripping it back and starting again. So that not only was that with food and exercise and and everything, like, you know, health wise, it was work, and it was skincare. So um, I actually did a really good uh, consultation. So I, I took off my work head and I had a consultation with a Leonie mentor and she was fantastic because actually it was looking at it in a completely different way so for me personally you know I could stand in the mirror and say okay I've got a little bit of hyperpigmentation here and you know you put that white coat on and straight away you're diagnosing yourself but actually to have it taken back to basics with somebody else and go oh my gosh you know I'm not drinking enough water or you know actually do you know what an, an extra hour would probably do my skin a world of good so yeah that that was really really insightful as well for me specifically yeah
0: yeah and it's it's definitely about like figuring out how your own journey, we tailor it to your own journey. So if you have, for example, more time in the morning to do a skincare routine or, you know, to do some type of meditation to kind of try to level out those stress levels, then we'll try to help you incorporate that. Then if you don't, if you're so out the door quick and then nighttime's more your thing, or maybe you have time in the middle of the day, it's building your kind of routine around that and being conscious of those things and being really in the moment. And so That kind of leads us to another talking point is the conscious consumer, which Grown Alchemist, there's more in the podcast about that. But what is to you when you hear conscious consumer, what does that mean to you?
2: Oh, I think from a professional point of view, conscious consumer can be seen in two different ways. You know, it can be a real positive in the sense that the consumer is is really thinking about what they're buying and, you know, they're doing their research, they're looking into it, they're Google searching, they're magazine searching, you know, but then the other side of it is actually it's that self-education side where a lot of people can go the wrong way. Um, so there's kind of a preconception of what they potentially think their problems are um, which then not only makes you know our job harder in a sense to get that that mentality back but it can be people can can treat the wrong thing thinking that they have a certain problem so you know for example rosacea a lot of people suffer with with slight redness in the skin and automatically you know read up on it and assume that it's rosacea so it can be treating for something that potentially they, they don't have so you know it it's It can be a positive and a negative. Um, It's definitely positive that people are caring more, and they're taking time to, you know, think about it. And and COVID has had a huge effect on that, I think, I would say people don't want to spend money willy nilly. And it's literally, you know, everything that they, they buy needs to have a purpose. And I think, you know, that that's definitely a positive.
0: Yeah. I mean, retweet all of those things. I think that we see being conscious as a positive thing a lot. And you're right, there can be negative effects to it overdoing your routine, you know, going in hard, like you see, you know, you're, oh, I see a spot here, you know, really overanalyzing it and then creating this stress around a spot. What does this mean? You know, almost spiraling, which I do. I'm very good at spiraling into my thoughts and different making up different scenarios in my head. I'm amazing at it, actually. I'm such a troubleshooter. So yes, I agree that there's this kind of like double edged sword to that. Um, And I think that it's really interesting to just see, I think what we really like to I guess enforce at Leone is being conscious in the sense that, you know, you have your kind of routine and your, the the products in your foundation, and then knowing when to kind of let up on actives, knowing when to add them back in and those kind of things are super helpful. And it does take a lot of education because even me, I'll go in and be like, Oh my gosh, I'm feeling a bit dehydrated. What you know? What can I do today? So, if you're new to skincare, that can be overwhelming. And all of this conscious consumer being conscious, it can also create this kind of burden of oh my gosh, you know, I just kind of want to have a, a schedule and stick to it. So, yeah, I think it's really interesting to see the direction that this kind of movement is going. Um, and with conscious as well, a lot of people think sustainability. And so, how do you think the industry? I mean, I know that for me, like, I feel like the industry. It's no longer like when you put something on a bottle that's, oh, this is sustainable. For me, it's like, and, you know, I think that it's not enough for a brand to just be sustainable anymore because it should be understood. And I think that one of the most sustainable things to do is to not create more products, more brand extensions, et cetera, when you're already doing something really well. But I understand that skincare businesses have to make money and all of that. But What do you think the kind of industry needs to do in order to collaborate and become actually sustainable what do you think I think one sentence that springs to mind here is that you know
2: you're only as strong as your weakest link and I think if we're going to go forward for a sustainable future when it comes to the beauty industry and the skincare side of it everyone needs to jump on the bandwagon together and make sure that they're doing it wholeheartedly and and every way and I guess it's that entire cycle from you know, the sourcing of ingredients to the manufacturer and, you know, the factory and where they are and how they process the packaging and then selling and then also the usage of because if, you know, if, if they're selling a prog- product that requires you to use, you know, lots of water with it, and you know, th- there's always that next process that makes it a little bit less sustainable. So I think using that kind of wholehearted approach to the entire, you know, cycle client journey, I think that is probably the, the best way forward, because you're right, the amount of products that we see that says sustainable Sustainable, but it comes in a plastic bottle. So actually, how sustainable is that just because it's sourced from you know natural ingredients? Does that mean that the entirety of the product is sustainable? So again, it may be questioning as well. I think we're quite easy to just listen to, to what we're told when it comes to sustainability, rather than, you know, actually, actually learning it and understanding the process. Um, I think I'm quite good, and then I, I get a, a I got a a letter on my bin to say if you put an egg in this egg box, we will not collect your bin. It's like I'm being so good, like I'm doing everything I can. Um, but yeah, I think it's the whole process. Like you know, every part of life has to be sustainable. If if that's the it kind it is, of it's a minefield. Yeah, it's huge. It's like you have four different bins, and you need to put them in different places. And you know, and if we can't do that with our own rubbish, you know, what? Do we, how do we expect to understand the process of manufacture of something that we're using? But I think it's questioning it, and, and you know, that information being available to people. So if we're buying from a sustainable, you know, skincare brand that says we're sustainable, tell me why. Let me know everything that makes that happen, so that I can invest fully into that product and that brand, um, to know that I'm doing the right thing.
0: Absolutely. And I think that, that that bridges us really well into this conversation that Xenia had with the one of the founders of Grown Alchemist. Um, and so we will let you guys listen on. And, you know, really, I think that they are, they're doing a lot of incredible things. And so it's a very energetic conversation. Um, I hope that you guys enjoy it. And Alexandra, anything else that we've missed that we need to add? <laughs> There's always stuff. I think we could do this all day, couldn't we? But yeah, we'll wait till next time. until next time enjoy you guys and remember that you can use the skin interview 15 if you would like 15 percent off of your consultation book in with our skin mentors we have some amazing skin mentors on the platform now erica is one of our newest skin mentors and she's absolutely incredible she's based out of ireland and wow her knowledge is really out of this world so do book in with her she's our newest addition to the team
1: So, hi everyone. I'm Xenia, the co-founder of Dion, and welcome to our podcast, The Skin Interview. And so today I have the pleasure to welcome on our podcast Jeremy's Mujis, who is the co-founder of Ground Alchemist, which I already told him that I'm a big fan of the brand. It would be uh, great if, Jeremy, if you can just introduce yourself before we jump into the subject um, and tell us a little bit more about Grown Alchemist.
3: So uh, my name is Jeremy. I'm a co-founder, as you say, and, uh, of Grown Alchemist. The brand started in Australia. Uh, in 2008, we launched in Australia. So we've been around a little while. And really, the heart of the brand is simple. The reason we started was we really believe there is a strong connection uh, between uh, function in the body and health in the body. And so we wanted to create a, a skincare brand that really worked, but was driven off this health function equation.
1: No, and it's amazing to have you here because we... um in this episode, with what we wanted to talk about is how to be a conscious skincare consumer in practice. And I think that the way you develop the brand and also we can speak about, you know, how long it took you to, to put Squared Alchemist out there. I think it's super interesting because you took in account so many different things. Um, and I think talking about health, environments and social responsibility, um, would be great just to explain a little bit how, uh, you know, as a consumer, we're shifting towards a different mindset. So before that, it would be great if like wh- when you hear conscious consumerism, like what, like how would you define that? Like, who do you think? Who is like a conscious consumer?
3: Sure. I, I think um, we live in a very unusual time where um, I think all of us as consumers are challenging what we see as uh, luxury and the whole idea of luxury is being challenged um, and, and how brands fit into that landscape uh, is, uh, is changing. And I think for us, uh, our consumers are intelligent, informed people who, who who don't buy things because someone else has bought them necessarily. They buy things because they believe and they've investigated uh, and they make very deliberate de- purchasing decisions, whether it's the you – know, I was speaking with a friend the other day and um, going skiing and things like this. So you buy beautiful jackets and down jackets. And I've always been a fan of Moncler, like a lot of people in the world and, uh, looking at my Moncler jacket and he said to me, um, you know, your Moncler is a little bit outdated. And I'm like, what, what do you mean outdated Moncler? <laughs> and he's like, well, and he was wearing this jacket that, uh, he was telling me the story. He said, um, they only make a, a very small number of these jackets a year because, the down in this jacket actually comes from a bird, that a mother bird who creates a nest using her own and the softest feathers that she has, and she actually plucks her own feathers and lines the nest with her own feathers, and they're the be- very softest feathers. So when she puts her eggs into the nest and she, she nurtures the eggs, the eggs have the most perfect environment they can in order to, to flourish. Once the chicks have hatched and they leave the nest, then uh, the mother leaves the nest also, and they're just left there. And a whole bunch of individuals go around and they harvest the feathers that are remaining. And they use those feathers, the very softest down that the mother bird has plucked to put into jackets. So both sustainable, but also very high luxury because these feathers are incredibly soft. Limited edition because there's only a certain number of feathers that they can harvest a year. And I said, firstly, how did you find out about this, this crazy jacket that, you, that you're wearing, you know, that you, that you bought? And, uh, and he was telling me that uh, he was doing some research, and a friend of his pointed him in this direction, and he started reading into it, and it became fascinating. And he paid, like, $1,000 of premium to enjoy this kind of jacket, right? And I think our consumers are a little bit like that, where – we have perceptions of luxury which are more traditional where you go into a beautiful boutique and you experience a wonderful service and it's gorgeous and it's so high, high design element um, and all those things are still very important. But there's also this journey of luxury which is about authenticity and meaning. And I think in skincare with the age of digital and uh, the ability to communicate in very direct me- mechanisms, authenticity and realness and uh and and a reason for existing and a heart to your brand becomes extremely important i think for us as a brand we have been on that journey for gosh 20 years now we started in 2002 nearly 20 years and so um and really the heart of what we have been about is that as much as we would like to believe it beauty cannot exist just out of a, a jar and so what drives, function, what drives beauty in skin? What drives the anti-aging properties of the skin? And I guess fundamental to all of that is everything in the body is driven off a thing called function. Everything. If your skin cells function well, you, they perform better, they will age better. So we started back in 2000, and we were really surprised at the connection, the profound connection between very simple things – and the quality and function of your skin. Everybody starts from their frame of reference, and we start, our frame of reference was, was skin care. And, and we invited professionals in to, to really learn about what it meant to, be, to create function in the body. First thing that we ticked was the obvious thing. What are you putting in your skin care that steals function? We named them function-stealing ingredients. So really they were toxic ingredients or ingredients that create toxicity in the skin. Then the next question came to us, which is, okay, so how how does oxidization or how do toxins get into your body and how do they affect the function of your body? This one is a little harder because it's not just about a cream in a jar, right? So how do you both decrease the toxins in your body or the oxidative stress and how do you increase the antioxidants in your body? So this became much greater process than we ever imagined. We started to get, uh, we got professionals involved who were in different spaces. We sort of moved into other areas of chemical reactions that we create through, through involuntary processes or what we see as involuntary. You know, there was this interesting study by a lady called Eve Van Cotter, who's the director of sleep medicine for the university, so director of sleep studies for the university of Chicago. And she essentially proved through her studies and her subsequent studies that we have a thing called glycogen in the body, which is a natural energy, right, which, which your body naturally produces. And if you don't use that glycogen, it gets stored in the fat cells of the body. After, the eight, after adolescence, rather than going into growth and sort of development of the human body, it go, glycogen is used for youth maintenance and for things like um, bone density and hair and skin and all those sorts of things. If you don't use it, it gets stored in the fat cells of the body. And that that glycogen is essentially excess sugar, which is terribly bad for skin because high sugar diet are bad for collagen fibers and things like that. But it's really bad for aging as well and for toxicity in the body. And so we now know that sugar and refined sugar, particularly in excess sugar in the blood, um, has a direct link to disease in many aspects of disease. Um, So things like just sleep, you know, without even digesting anything, which is an involuntary sort of process, has a significant impact on the chemical balance that each of us have. So, so many aspects of that area, we got pulled into all sorts of spaces that we never thought we'd start at when we started talking about natural skincare and about, about the human biology and how it connects in with our world. We, we ended up creating five areas. One of them was the emotional side or the chemical reactions that we create, um, involuntary or voluntary. Second was food foods profound in the body there's so much research now coming out about vegetarian foods and about animal proteins and what animal proteins do to the body in terms of toxicity and the toxic response within within minutes of eating meat how oxidant buildup is much much greater than fed than, than, than a vegan diet or vegetarian diet. So there's more and more evidence in that space that you should definitely look at vegetarianism for even just part of your diet if you can't do it for all. Um, but food in particular, there's some amazing studies which are not well seen because there's not a lot of revenue that comes off the back of them on simple herbs like things like turmeric, right, and measuring turmeric against a leading, a leading statin drug, which is a, a, a an LDL Um, cholesterol-lowering drug, and looking at the results of the two and what does the right amount of turmeric do compared to a standard statin that you might be on if you've got high cholesterol. And in actual fact, the results are almost identical, except that it has no negative side effects. Now, there's actually millions and millions and millions of dollars of research going into the leading statins from the pharmaceutical companies. Only recently have there been governments who are willing to invest in things like turmeric studies <laughs> because at the end of it, where's the revenue model for turmeric, right? Everybody can grow it. It's not a proprietary drug that can be owned by some you know, enterprise in order to get return on it. So food is a fascinating space for us and I think a space that's evolving quickly in terms of our understanding as, as a generation. I think the generation that's growing up today compared to my generation is phenomenally better versed in understanding the power of food and that food is medicine.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. And I think also with the pandemic, et cetera, like people are way more like not only before it was already, you know, there's a shift, like people really think about what they put on their skin, what they eat, et cetera. But even now in the past last year, the past year, I mean, uh, with everything that happened, like... All of that, you know, all of the like the importance of health, of sleep, stress that you just mentioned, everything became so important. And people are also prioritizing this, you know, when uh, buying products or when supporting a brand. They want to know like what's also the health benefit behind it, which is very interesting with like how you, with Grown Alchemist, you know, like you explored all those different holistic aspects that not only, not only products, actually what makes, you know, a body healthy and functioning
3: this is the thing that we started to realize is you can't affect profound change in your skin unless you start to address these spaces, right? You can't, you can, you can affect some change, but it's not to the level that our body body is capable of that our biological capability will allow. And this is, it's a bizarre space for a skincare company to play in. I, I understand that. And, you know, whether it's, you know, if I look at the different spaces that we, we work in, whether it's food or stress or the digestive system, which is incredibly profound uh, for the body, or whether it's the environmental influence of, of space in terms of toxicity in clothes that we wear, in, in pollutants that are out in the atmosphere, you only have to spend a small amount of time in places like Beijing to realize the, um, the pollution is just profound. And, and how amazing it's been during COVID where we've had factories that have just been completely shut down and there's been wildlife coming back and the world has changed in terms of the natural flora and fauna of the world has completely changed in, in 12 months and how pollution plays a much more significant role in our health and well-being and the quality. And, and I guess we're a little bit vain as a company. we. We care about health because of the way it makes you look. But the bottom line is all of this stuff can change the way your body performs and, and, and the fun and the health and performance of your body in total in totality, right? So as a business, you know, when you walk into our retail store, the first thing you probably will notice is that our retail store has a built-around thing called a clean room, which is like a bio lab. In that space we've created a specific, unique air filtration system that filters out a huge number of airborne pollutants, so that as you stand and have a conversation with one of our therapists, clinicians, your skin exchange with the atmosphere, which is 100% real, right? We're very porous. We're constantly exchanging with the atmosphere and the things around us. Um, As you do that, your skin is actually being purified more and more and more the longer you spend in that environment, particularly if, if you live in the Swiss Alps, maybe not quite the same effect. If you live in um, in New York, it's significant the difference.
1: Of course, and you see you see this even you know with us with the with the consultations. So we did digital skin consultation, and we had some follow ups with clients uh, that we saw you know before that, and you can see the, the the real difference, like you said, in terms of like how the skin wear, like living the London normal life, you know, with pollution, taking like the tube, etc and uh, while being in lockdown, where you still have a little bit of pollution because of course, you know, the city where you are, like it will completely depend on the air quality, but still you can see a difference even like that in the skin and the skin needs will be hard, you know, completely different from what they were like before that. So it's crazy how also our skin and our body can change and adapt depending on the environment where we are. And like you mentioned, me, my skin in Geneva is completely different from my skin in London which is, you know, it changes within one or two days. Like suddenly everything is, you know, completely different.
3: And so really that moment that you're experiencing, right, that is, it's an environmental impact that is hard to manage, but it is manageable in some instances. Like if you, I love candles and I love to burn candles in my home. I I buy soy-based essential oil candles, which are hard to get, and and they don't burn quite as well as a paraffin-based candle but the atmosphere is much nicer. Uh, it's much less toxic, right? In fact, um, study in 2009 in America, 72% of homes in America were more toxic. The air was more toxic inside the home than the air directly outside a home, right? And that is just simply a function of the emissions that come off furnishings, of carpet, of paint, of candles, of cleaning products. Uh, all of those things are creating an atmosphere for you to live in, kind of like relationships. You either uh, are having a relationship that adds something or a relationship that doesn't add something, right? It subtracts and, uh, and, ad- and relationships that don't add things to you are generally uh, short-term relationships. <laughs> and I think environments, you can look at environments very similarly. And I think the power of. What we can control is, is, is important to take that power, right? To say, wait a minute, what fabrics am I going to use on my furnishings? What clothes, the dyes in the clothes and, and where do I buy my clothes and all of those things, have they been responsibly created?
1: do you think that by taking the power of our environment so the same way you did you know by looking at all the different pollutants you can have around you for example and try to limit them and also by really boosting the function of your overall body the same way you said so like really looking at more deeply at your you know health diet etc um do you believe that with like this approach is absolutely necessary like i mean to be in that way, you know, having this holistic approach, will that help, for example, a consumer to then use less things on their skin, for example, with skincare products? So the way like grown Alchemist has developed, like, do you believe that by doing so, basically, it will help also, not help, but then you would, like your skin would require less product, for example, and then you would consume less also, I believe, no?
3: Yeah, I think optimally, um, I think if you could have a very utopic life, right? where you're incredibly pure, you're living pure, you're living in beautiful environments where air has a high level of purity. You're eating a a vegetarian diet. I hate to say it. Look, I've eaten meat majority of my life, and it's only when I started to really study toxicity that comes through dairy that I began to change my diet. And now I'm a, a, a vegan, not because I don't love meat, and it's actually, you know, I'd love to say it's because I care deeply about animals. I love animals, but it's not what drove me to it. It's really about toxicity. And so if you can do all of these things and line them up, right, I actually think it would be redundant, which is a strong thing for skincare brand to say, but I think it would be practically not necessary. I think our body has the capacity through its own natural oils, through its own natural processes, through um, removing toxins to survive incredibly well on its own if given the right environment? So the answer to your question is, yes, the, the more you can get in terms of um, health and wholeness into your body, the less intervention you need or the less assistance you need. It's true with all sorts of areas of life, right? Pharmaceuticals or, or additives or anything. So I think the reality is we live in an industrialized age where, it started with things and now it's into food, right? And we have industrialized food. In fact, our entire food supply system has is turned into an industrial process, right, where if you look at the supply chain for a supermarket, you know, they have to snap freeze apples and deliver them and preserve them using certain chemicals because the supply chain doesn't allow for them to go from pick to shelf within 24 hours it takes two weeks for an apple to go from a farmer to a supermarket sometimes longer and so in order to to create a supply chain that works you have to do things to those products so that they arrive in the condition that a consumer would want to
1: buy them yeah and so how does that work with grown alchemists like how I mean, when I read more about Grand Alchemist, I, I found out that it took years, right, from the idea that you had initially to actually launch it. Was that because you wanted that, that footprint, like this whole process from like manufacturing products to getting them displayed on a shop? Like everything was really felt, well thought felt behind.
3: Yeah, I think everything, once you realize that everything has an effect, right, everything creates a, a positive or negative reaction in a process and some people call it a a chain of value or you can call it many things, but in order to preserve, so if you look at the two parts, one is the environment that our product meets, right? Which is the human, (laughs) the human biology. And if that environment, if we can create function through holistic means in that environment, by the time our product gets onto that skin, the skin's already functioning well, already working well. And it and then you're putting a product or an ingredient that the body recognizes and therefore can utilize uh, onto that environment, your uptake and your reaction and your activation of the skin cell is much, much greater. When it comes to skincare, having a product which is natural and maintains the molecular structure and capability of nature inside the product through packaging uh, and non-leaching packaging and packaging which preserves oxidant re- um, damage to the product and, and ingredients that are balanced and are 100% natural that deliver an anti-aging result in the body that trigger a mechanism in the body like collagen production, which is really important for skin care that does all of these things in a natural plant-based way is quite essential to skin maintenance and collagen maintenance and elastin maintenance and the building blocks of the skin and hydration and all of those critical elements to to skin and how it ages and how you can decrease aging in the skin, right, Um, or increase health in the skin, increase function in the skin. So when you take somebody who – has really healthy biological processes and who has great capability in their skin cell or in their cells, generally, who is healthy, who is work, living a relatively healthy lifestyle. And you put on that person skin care that the body can recognize and utilize, that's natural molecular and structure uh, that activates certain natural responses in the body, you get the perfect storm because you get skin cells that, go, wow, I am ready for business, right? I'm full of energy and full of stored capability. And then you get the perfect combination of nutrients into that skin cell that it can recognize and utilize without the negative side effects that are created in non-natural or synthetic or potentially carcinogenic or toxic ingredients. So, you know, physical food, Emotional, environmental sort of fortification of the skin and the body, but of the skin combined with active ingredients that your body can recognize and utilize, that's the perfect storm for beauty. And for us, if that is the best way to improve function and capability and to restore function and capability to your skin, And it's better than a serum that comes out of a dropper or a cream that comes out of a jar, then that's what we want to be into. I think the social responsibility of a brand is to deliver a promise, right? And I think all brands have a responsibility. I remember the very first day we put our product on shelf, or the first time I saw it, it was in a pharmacy in in Melbourne, Victoria. So one of these prestige pharmacies that had Chanel and Clarence and all these different brands. And... I watched it. someone walk up to our product on shelf and she was looking at a body cream and she was looking at another brand next to us and she was sort of weighing up the two and she went and took ours to 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 the counter and paid $26 for it. Two things went through my mind. I was, firstly, I was relieved that she'd bought ours. And the second thing was um, an overwhelming sense of responsibility. She had chosen to spend her money on our product and that our product, when she gets to home, I hope it's everything she ever does, ever wanted it to be for the for the twenty six dollars that she spent.
1: Yeah, because it's not even about the function of the product. It's also like consumers today they look beyond, you know, a, a label because they want to make sure that the brand also that they're investing in respond to their ethos or beliefs. So I think it's like establishing that connection also with the brand. Like when you pick up a product, where suddenly like not only of course you see that it's a product that's gonna help you. I don't want to say at a more superficial level, but like your skin, your health, et cetera, but also that deeply connects with you and with what you believe in. And I think that's how you know people also are picking products today. That's what makes them also more conscious about what they're buying.
3: Yeah, 100%. You, there is a, whether we want to agree to it or not, as companies, we have a moral contract with the consumer and that is value in a product, but it's also to do the right thing. Environmentally in, in, in terms of works, work practice, who we buy from in um, bottles and, and how they're made and who makes them and the price that you pay for them, um, just because they're cheap doesn't necessarily mean that's what you should be paying right because someone ultimately is paying price for for value engineering. I know it's a really popular thing in America driving down the cost they, rather than calling it cost. Uh, extraction, they call it value engineering, right? It's a nicer feeling to it. But the bottom line is, someone's paying a price for that, right? And if you cut three or four cents off a price of a bottle or a tube or whatever, um, we can buy polypropylene tubes, you know, 40, 50% cheaper than we buy our aluminium tubes. Problem with propylene is, it's a one time deal, right? Al- aluminium is 100% infinitely recyclable and when we implemented aluminium tubes gosh um what is it in 2008 um so nearly 14 years ago um and we we made that decision it was everyone was like you are crazy they dent their old world things they're not new things um you know uh we couldn't even, it was really hard to find anyone who had a machine, so we had to buy a tube-filling machine for aluminium tubes because, it, because no one had one. Everyone had gone and moved on. to, um, and, and those sorts of decisions are quite hard decisions because there's a financial ramification to them. But I think ultimately when you put enough good decisions together, you start to create a brand, right, that means something. And I think that combination of these little tiny things um, that create really the heart of why you do something, right? And you spend your life doing it, it might as well count. Yeah,
1: because you know, (laughs) even like, I feel when we talk about consciousness too, people are like, oh, it stops when you buy a product and when you know you're going to use it, but it doesn't, unfortunately, like there's a whole thing, you know, that happens behind. And it's super interesting what you mentioned too, is that it's not, you know, like because there's a lower price or because the bottle, you know, it's not going to be something that you can recycle or something that you can reuse. For example, uh, that's going to be the cut, the real cost of the product because this cost will maybe not appear, um, in your wallet, or like the way you spend it, right? It's not like a money value. It's gonna impact, you know, the whole process behind. So like you're gonna support something that you don't wanna support, and I think that's how also now, you know, um, also as a consumer, and we see that with our clients too. The way they, you know, want us to pick products for them, uh, a lot of them wants um, us to find, you know, brands that are doing something more than just, you know, like really good products. They they wanna make sure that with the investment they're making, they're also investing um, in a positive way, not in a negative way. So they're ready to spend more in a way.
3: Well, and I think that is, um, it's becoming, thankfully it's driven by consumers and it's becoming more and more um, important and, and prevalent uh, in companies, thankfully. And I think consumers have marched with, it, with their wallets and And kind of said right well i'm not buying a product if it doesn't meet sustainability standards or it doesn't meet best standards or if it's if it's made using sweatshops or whatever right I think um the thing that we um have st- have started to talk about inside our company is any manufacturing has a process uh, of manufacture manufacturing, and every piece of that process is a cost, and you add all the costs together and they create what's called a bill of materials it's a a list of materials that um, that together add up to the cost of the product, right? And so this term of value engineering that list is all about removing cost from that from that each piece of that pie. The more cost you can remove, the higher the margin you make, the more money you make. What we've said is actually there's a new part of what we do, which is called value engineering, but it's the opposite. So it's not about removing costs. It's about explaining the value that we put into our product to the consumer. I think we've been very—I uh, would call us maybe a little bit antiquated with how we communicate what the whys we do, right? And so you have to kind of dig really deep for for it to be visible with us. And we're trying to bring more and more of that understanding, not just to our own products, but to consumers as to what to shop for, right? And I think brand be less focused on removing costs and value engineering to actually explaining why they are allowing the value to be higher in their product. Why do we pay uh, 22% more for our bottles than we could? Because they're made from 100% recycled plastic, right? That is more expensive. But it means that we can get bottles that are on their way to the ocean, reconstitute them, and put them back into our bottles, have a more complete cycle. Bringing some of the things that are hidden and making them more visible, I think raises the bar for everybody. All of us can work together to find new ways of of recycling and new methods of new kinds of plastics and or new kinds of aluminiums and packaging that can be far more beneficial and far more sustainable in, in our world ahead. And I don't think... That's a space that we should be competitive in. It's a space that we should be inclusive in.
1: No, and I think like it's interesting because there is like a collaboration that has to be made, you know, between brands, but it's the same thing between consumers too. It's like you said, like you as a consumer, by doing certain things in your day-to-day to help out, for example, the planet or maybe other things you want to support, might not might be completely tiny, but if everyone does the same or if you share also your practices, etc., around you then it becomes also global which is super interesting um but yeah for sure and and i think us also as as a skincare consultancy brand so when we started with megan we uh we also realized you know how like how much people were spending in skincare products they were not using and i was completely shocked also by the amount of skincare products that were purchased and that were not used in the end and just you know like would end up even full completely in the landfill or anywhere else and like the plastic also that you the consume etc and so for us like creating this business you know to making sure to really tell our like our clients what they should be buying what's good for their skin and that's it you know and most of the people are a bit sometimes skeptical because they they sometimes use you know like 12 products morning evening and it's all about streamlining and having more you know, maybe less products, but more efficient ones. And that already can have a huge impact also in the way, you know, you're going to consume the products and the way you're going to contribute also to the to the environment. Um, so it's something that everyone needs, you know, to to do to make sure that, again, like we, we are reaching the the global goal, which is to preserve what we have right now, because right now what's happening is that we're distracting more than preserving, unfortunately.
3: Yeah, and I think this is... Um... It's where I think finally we're starting to see technology meet the need of the environment. It's just starting to happen where I think we've got more and more ability to to revolutionize or change the way that we consume uh, and the things that we consume and the technology that goes into packaging and things like that and You know, um, I I remember when we first started, if you wanted to put a coating on your box so that it survived a long time, it was a plastic coating. So you might have a recycled, natural recycled box, right? From sustainable forestry with a plastic coating, it makes the whole box non-recyclable. And you don't even, when you feel a box and you think how silky and fantastic it feels, you don't even think about that. You know, 20 years on, there are, um, again, more expensive, but there are um, plant-based coatings that can go on boxes that make them feel fantastic, make them more rigid and survive longer and so you can wipe them clean, but they're plant-based and so they biodegrade with the box, right? So this is technology meeting the natural need and I think we're only going to see more and more of it and the more we can share it with each other, ultimately – the better everybody is, Um, and the less we use it for a way of differentiating our products and kind of going out there with, oh, we're the cleanest, kind of most organic. Actually, you know, why people do that, and I get why consumers love that, but I think we should actually be saying we're really – we've found some amazing opportunities to minimise footprint and to maximise sustainability. We would love to share them with you if you're interested, right? Taking a slightly more collaborative view in sustainability, it changes the game, right? And and that's where contacts in this space aren't sort of you know um, competitive moments; they're collaborative and inclusive moments. And I think that's where we will see change across industries.
1: That's great, yeah, yeah. And I think that's like you said, that's the future. Um, it's like not anymore being yourself a brand that will you know encompass all the different things and making sure that you know everything is basically created to support the planet it's all about like being collaborative and and like yeah moving towards the same goal altogether. and i think that's the that's the most important thing for sure thank you so much jeremy it was so nice to have you on the podcast i think that i learned so much today <laughs>
3: Well, thank you so much for um, thinking of me and uh, I send you all the best from Australia.